Eastland episode 109 and it's me Gary P and of course the Prof Car Riley Howdy Hoopers and we are still sponsored by lovely Camille Toy Tele Takeaway Tele Village oh that was nice got that one in one and uh, yeah they're still gorgeous still delivering to most of Tele and uh, check them out it's fantastic try the calamari actually that was nice haven't mentioned that yet with the with the dip what dip was it Toy Sweet Chili I think it was don't oh, forget this is your last chance to do the match day deal on the Friday last chance match day deal please no camping outside to get your match day deal a drink and a, and a main for a tenner absolutely cracking deal so head on down to Camille Toy Tal Takeaway in Tala Village so uh, it's our penultimate show for the FAO Cup final we have a UCD review we've struck our nominations for all time 11 coming from Peter Fitz and Paul Dunster Donahue and there's questions from the East End final Pico versus Joey. It is a heavyweight championship match. This is going to be a slobber knocker. In the words of JR. The much anticipated battle. The two Crumlin natives. The two Crumlin boys. Four Crumlin boys in the room. International defenders. Joey's up there with Brendan Bean. Other famous Crumlin sports stars. Robbie Kane. I think that's the most. This is the biggest ones, isn't it? <laughs> Tin Lizzie's up there as well, who both seem to claim, but. Oh, Phil Linus crumbling through and through. They can't keep claiming him. Um, yeah, so mass. I'm, I am really looking, looking forward to this because uh, like Joey's just a steamroller, isn't he? I can't, I can't see Pico doing it. Whitewashed two people yeah. already. He's just so. co- he's just the coolest kid in the block. He's gonna come in and just. I think he's gonna. I don't think he'll be a whitewash. He might get a consolation. Pico might get a consolation. Give Pico a fighting chance, but. <laughs> Uh, I just think Joey's going to take this one yeah I think he's going to romp home it depends though what part of Crumlin is, is Pico from because there's there's old Crumlin and there's newish Crumlin so we'll have to find that one out as well I think Joey be old stock I think Joey's from near Kimage uh, <gasps> Kimage <laughs> so with the PFAI team of the year uh, this I, I was happy enough with this delighted with the left full choice so we'll start off Alan Manis and Gall Lee Grace and Sean Cavanagh and Jack Bourne all made it in um, Jack has been nominated for player of the year and young player of the year and he's up against Michael Duffy Sean Gannon of Dundalk for senior and Danny Mandrew and David Parkhouse for junior player of the year uh, or young player of the year he has to win that I, I mean young player of the year getting a cap for Ireland give it to him now just give him the senior one as well yeah, probably sure. Duffy will probably get it because he won the league 
Surely he'll win the young player, yeah. Um, I actually looked up. Uh, no player has ever won both of those awards at the ooh, same time. No way. It's this not. is the most realistic chance anyone will ever get, really. Uh, it would be unprecedented. Uh, uh, Dundalk announced that Hoban signed a new contract extension. The least surprising news yeah. ever. All those rumours swirling around that we were going to sign him was a lot of bollocks. And it, was, it wasn't even one of those things where people were happy. Like A lot of discontent coming from our camp and our side of... Of Rovers about him potentially coming on and signing because he has the kind of mercenary tag, doesn't he? Yeah, the fear was he'd be another Zayda Quigley. Oh, Zayda Quigley, Jesus Christ, failures to say the least. Um, yeah, I'm absolutely chuffed for Cavan. Cavo has been brilliant this season, yeah, and it's just know. great to see him get into that squad. There's, there's no other player like him in the league. Delighted that he's being recognised. Absolutely chuffed. So, uh, a Pico possibly hard done boy. That was probably the most glaring thing from the team of the year. Uh, Grace instead of Pico. I think you could make a solid argument that it should be the way around. It it probably should, but I think there was a point made, I think it was Jason Maloney made on on, on our WhatsApp group, was that he's just a more elegant, better-looking player. Not looking physically, but just he's on the ball, he's better and he's smoother and a little bit more technically gifted than you, you could say than, than Pico. Um, the Rovers Player of the Year Awards will take place in the 1899 bar after the game on Friday <sighs> uh, now I did mention to you a few weeks back that this first time I've heard about this this was the hardest Young Player of the Year award vote to come up with in quite a while and you were kind of surprised that I said that so now that the wars came around do you understand what I meant 100% there's actually not alright I'm going to say it there's nobody worthy of it is there Brando hadn't played in the last two games. I would have been stumped. Seriously, I would have been. I would have no clue what to do. Nobody here. worthy of it, Barry Brando, because he had a remember that um, the assists versus Pats yeah. for Finn, and then he scored, and then he yeah, two of assists fl- actually. The one for Oki and then that scored his well. fourth league goal as well. So a couple of flashes of brilliance, and that is probably going to get him the player of the year. He still played a lot more than uh, Bazuna did last year. Yeah, yeah, true. But it is. It's a. It's a strange one, isn't it? Like no. It's no. No. Is it? Is it harsh to say nobody's really worthy of it? Uh, I wouldn't say Brando's unworthy of it. It's just he didn't start a lot of games. Mm. But uh, no one stuck out. No one stuck out really to to take right. it home. Really, let's be honest. I can see it going to Jack Byrne and Brando. Although Pico, Pico probably push uh, Jack close. Uh I I think he possibly could, but. Jack's Jack's in the bag. Let's be yeah. honest. By the way, why was Freud an option on that poll? <laughs> because he played a game. <laughs> he played one game at that stage. He was very good in that game. <laughs> Probably did a lot more than other players. <laughs> was this like an inside joke or something yeah. with the club? You have to include him. Um, was Thomas Alua not included? Uh, I can't remember now. He played more than Freud. I assume he was there. But yeah, so back onto the Player of the Year Awards, 1899 bar after the game on Friday. Uh, I'm going to be honest, first I've heard of this, and um, it's something I think we can improve on. I think we should have like a separate night for it, and just have a big do, you know, on a Saturday or something like that. But uh, it's something that we're going to work on, plans are in place for next year, fan power. Um, yeah, so tickets for the FAI Cup final at the sale last Thursday. Rover sold 500 tickets at the first three minutes after them going up at 11 that morning. The singing section sold out in a matter of hours. Up until Friday, there were 3.5 thousand 
three and a half thousand tickets sold in the rovers and the constant queues in the shop saturday sales uh online sales flying as well and thousand tickets being distributed to partner clubs and so on so well over 5k gone on our end and as of saturday only three blocks left in the south stand now initially fucking shit hit the fan and there was no singing section left within 10 minutes yeah i came into work and one guy goes this was only like uh 12pm he was like the tickets are gone everybody like, was trying to buy them I was, was like, sitting the there cracking up yeah. gone. I was only off the nights and I stayed up had a few things to do stayed up so I'm sitting there like dying falling asleep head hanging and uh, they, they just weren't going out so there was something up it was just saying singing section sold out so uh, a few phone calls were made we, we fixed it and uh, tickets were flying out so it's great to see I think this will hit 40,000 no bother I, th- I think it should do, yeah. I think... Um, because if you talk to everybody, they're all saying the same things. They're bringing in a gang of family and friends. Mm. So many people are coming home for it. Now, personally, I'll tell you what I think we should do next week, right? Now, you won't know, but next week is uh, midterm. Kids are off, right? So, why not have a massive day out in the square? Get Jack Bourne. Get Pico. Get Finn. Get the internationals. Oh, yeah, it's international footballers in the square. They've ticket sales on the spot. So you have a little table. You can sell tickets. You can meet the players. Me hoop, man. Kick them in the shins. Do whatever you want to do. And then you are you're giving info about the final. And we're running buses. Tell them. We'll either hire another bus. If that comes down to it. Someone get in touch and say, oh, okay, I have three double-deckers going from the Abo. We can put another one on. And you can offer people a space on that. Take their name, forward the name onto us, and then they're on a bus, and then they've away to the Aviva, and they've away back from Tala. You have Jack Bourne in the square selling. T- not him, obviously not him selling tickets. He's not going to flog tickets for you, but that, it's it's the awareness. And then we can put it on social media beforehand. Come meet Jack Bourne. He can stay there for an hour, and he can go. Surely that's not a bit. Does that sound like a good way to promote your, your cup final within the Tala within the Tala community? I think it does sound. Like I a good think day. it sounds great. I think that's something we could look into, and it'd take us two or three hours over there. We've done it before. We did it. We hope man before. Trying to promote just the club in general, so I think it's something that we could look into. Now that's the rant over. So, um, did you notice the FBI posted a picture promoting the the cup final, the men's and women's final? And a very good picture, one prof. A very good picture. <laughs> well, the point is, uh, there was two kids in Robert's jerseys, and their names were Edgar Abulu, age nine, and Emil Abulu. Right. Age 12. And got to do with Eric. Exactly. So right. I'm sure everyone's thinking, oh, well, that must be Eric Abula's brothers. And then I inquired about this. There's no relation. No relation. How many Abulas can there be <laughs> in Dublin who are also Rovers fans? It is. It's, yeah. Were they born in Germany? Oh. Uh, yeah, it's 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 something that we we could like. I mean, the FAI and Al Mooney was on RT Soccer Podcast. And as, as much of a as a dick I think Alan Colley can be, he asked a couple of good questions. He he pressed them like about the lack of promotion and just the the way the the league is bastardized in general. And he, he did ask a couple of good questions, but no no it was he was like he, he was honest enough and he didn't sound like a spoofer. So it's a it's an interesting one. Check out the Noel Mooney podcast on the RT Soccer Podcast. It's pretty good. Uh, the club have been posting Hoops homecoming videos on Facebook and Twitter. Sean Carey from Massachusetts, Jeff Holmes from Denmark, lots of people who would know his dad, Les, and Amy McConville from San Francisco. So uh, it's great to see all the, the videos. Dan Fulham hasn't done one yet, still waiting on Dan Fulham's one. So they get, they get mm-hmm. the club to get in touch with him. That's Tahoe, by the way, Eamon. Tahoe, yep. Yeah. Great guy. 
And um, we're wearing our navy strip in the final. It's been decided. And Derek Tomney is going to be a ref. Mm. I'm not sure about that one. Don't know how people feel about that one. Uh, well, it was going to be Harvey. Let's be honest. Well, he's got Mal- Malmo and Lugano, is it? I think he's got Malmo versus Lugano in the Europa League. It was going to be him. Well, the fact that I had to think about whether or not I hated Tomney is a good sign. Yeah. If it, if it didn't, hit me straight away. If I don't know straight away, that's a good thing. Uh, Mick McCarty, obviously still counting the sleeps. Yeah. Ten How days many sleeps away now. now. Ten sleeps, Mick. Ten. Ten away. And as, as the wax says, get every old flag out of the gaff. Hang it up with the Aviva. Big time. Get all the mill. Sacred Heart Hoops have got a brand new flag as well. On their tour days, they have a flag. They're going to be out flying a high. Of course, he a flagman himself. Guys made all our flags. Captain, a captain's road stalwart as well. I tell you what, there's some famous people coming out of Brummel, isn't there? What's we call it again? Hotbed of talent. Hotbed of talent. Uh, the junior hoops, uh, arch rivals, nemesis. They're selling their calendar for ten euro. Uh, shite, don't bother with it. Now, um, I was joking. That was great. The junior hoops calendar, ten euro, and uh, it's fantastic work as usual from the lads. We've been of junior hoops this news. Sorry to ease off on them. A Halloween party coming up and a spooky wooky guard of honour prof. Super spooky wooky. And uh, it's going to be great. So all the kids have to come dressed up. I think Jaden's going in a morph suit. He's going to go dressed up in that. Uh, Jack Bourne won their player of the year. So Junior Hoops player of the year is Jack Bourne. 63% of the vote. And they just want to thank all the parents and anybody who has helped. And they want to thank Tifties in particular for making the Junior Hoops possible. And especially the prof. Because I mean everything the prof has done and... And Gary P, because we've just been so helpful in every way that the Junior Hoops can prosper. So We've been very influential. Um, that's I think that's all the Junior Hoops knows. But they do have the Guard of Honour and uh, they've all sorts going on. But the next event will be Christmas. So they're not doing that for the Cup Final. It is going to be Christmas. And that is the next big one. So Santa. Yeah, so that's the Junior Hoops. So the AGM Prof is coming up, 16th November. Will we be voting mm-hmm. on Uncle Desi's deal? Well, as you said, it all sounds very positive. Yeah. has uh, to be, doesn't it? I mean, I can't think of anything else. Are we actually referring to him as Uncle Des now? <laughs> he sounds pretty good, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Desi. Now, uh, so Dermot Desmond Deal is probably going to be on the cards. It's going to be the major talking point, the AGM. Um, hopefully, we'll be talking about a cup win at it. So, 16th November, and uh, more details to follow about that. Then with the Ultras Forum, Prof... Our badgering has worked. Mm-hmm. It's back. And the lads wanted to send out a big thank you on behalf of everyone who made donations. So I'm guessing the Ultras has parted a few quid that they got. They got the forum back up and running. So fair play to them. Good lads. As ever. And uh, they'll be donating a bit of merch for the five. So prof might as well stick that in there now and hold them to it. Happy days. <laughs> the results of the all-time 11 centre midfield. Jack Bourne. 168 Stephen Rice 85 Derek Tracy 16 and John Toll 5 <sighs> this seems very very one sided doesn't it well as my only pointed out uh, this really shows the age demographic of Robert's chat I think when, when Terry Palmer only got 7 votes as well that spoke volumes yeah uh, although I wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily argue with that. no two. I wouldn't I mean let's not forget how good Rice was and I had a good I actually texted Joe's and I said um Touch our, your nominations were, were great, and, and he he said something about uh, Royce dominating the midfield, and I said, "Have we had 
a midfielder to dominate the midfielder, the midfield the way Royce has since he's left. Since he's left, can you name a midfielder that has dominated the park the way Royce are used to? Finn has done it occasionally. Mm, but he, you, when you think of Royce, you think a midfielder that dominates mm. games and just bosses the park. I, I don't know. I can't really think of anyone. You could say Finn at times, yeah, but just mm. Steam Royce had something different about him, didn't he? You can make the argument Jack Byrne hasn't been here long enough to to warrant uh, yeah. win, winning the poll. Uh, I mentioned later, like we were talking the points about who could have been nominated, and people like McPhail and Joey and Doe came up, like and Doe purely because of the, he had a magical few weeks, and then the, the Joey and Doe and, show, <laughs> yeah, and McPhail because his passing was just I don't think un- he lost unrivaled, the ball ever. Unrivaled. I don't think he ever lost the ball. So I mean. Ever. You can make a case for midfielders for certain, maybe not their longevity, but their attributes or their impact at certain points of the season. Yeah. And with McPhail as well, I heard he might be losing it, you know. I heard he might have to prove himself at the 5 side. so listen. He's going to play this time. Academy 1 and 2 have a team in, management and, and Academy 1 have a team in, so let's see if McPhail still has it you know here Bradson might be losing a bit of pace as well we'll see what happens last year they missed it I think it was because they were they scouting were, yeah, Dan Kerr was something it? like that yeah they're yeah. watching players anyway but uh, there's three spots left in the five side so please get them in we want to have 16 teams and uh, the stakes are high now we've got ex-players we've got the management we've got the academy role we've got an all-star overs 11 we've got all sorts going in and out so yeah, we want to make the draw at the weekend uh, the last show before the cup final so hopefully we get those three teams in so we're not calling out team X so team don't y. don't leave it as if it's going to be oh yeah we'll apply on the on the day or not on the day but the week beforehand that seems to be the case every year get your team in because it, it will fill up eventually because there's a lot of people telling me oh, I'll get back to you That there's about 10 teams telling me they'll get back to me they'll definitely get back to me so there's going to be a lot of people let down so I think if you get your team in as soon as possible if you're getting a second team in Force come, force serve. So that's the way it's going to work. And the Milltown centre mids, uh, won by Pat Bourne with 100 votes, John Giles, Doolan and Lawler. So John Giles got 17, Doolan, 7, Mick Lawler got 1. Who voted for Mick Lawler? I'm, I'm always curious about Mick who, who votes for these. No, it wasn't. That's the first thing I always check in the polls when like someone gets 1 or 2 votes. I'm like, who was that? But I'm looking at how many voted here, right? 117, 118, mm. 125. The overall voting for the Milltown area was less than the amount the Jack Bourne votes got. Like, like this. Well, that's been that's consistently happened uh, because a lot of these players we wouldn't have seen them. In break. fairness to people, yeah. they're not voting if they don't feel they can. That's that's yeah. that's pretty cool though. In fairness, yeah. Um, so that was that. I probably could have said every time I posted the like the ones where t- the top two weren't true, like the centre backs, the wingers, the centre mids. I probably could have said, you know. Pick your two here, but I didn't. I said uh, pick pick one. I think I will change that though for the strikers post Milltown, right? <laughs> because you'll hear the nominations now in a while. But because of Gary Twig's popularity, like there's there's never been a player as popular as that. So if we put him in a poll, we all know it's going to happen. Right. So I think what we we'll do is not a standard poll for that. Okay. And we're going to ask people, give us your number one and your number two. So then that will tell us a lot more about who they think would play best with is, is the second best strike yeah. we've ever had or who would 
who think we'll have a good partnership yeah with yeah that's, that's a better way of doing yeah. it I think we should do our worst 11s as well after this because <laughs> that would be hilarious Gilbert Captain like you, at, at the top of your head you'd think Tomer Oscar Oscar wasn't too bad got better as he got in the line Oscar wouldn't get anywhere near that team that worst 11 I know but he's you, if you have to think of somebody in the in the Tala era he's probably oh, well, no Hoyland Hoyland maybe but then again, like you, it depends. It depends how bad we're talking. Are we talking like mm. extremely, extremely Correa Gilbert bad? Or are we just talking? Ireland had one decent season. Tomer had one decent season, but because of how it ended with Tomer, yeah, you've got yeah. to stick him in there. <laughs> yeah. So that was that. That was the uh, all-time elevens. But now we have the last batch of the all-time eleven nominations, and our feature is coming to an end. So we have Peter Fitz, and we have Dunster. Right, it's time for our last Shemar Grower's all-time 11 nominations, and of course that means the striker category. So, as always, the rules are one person will pick uh, four from one team from the Milltown era, and the other person will pick strikers who debuted from the 1987-88 season onwards, a rule which you've never broken, except for John Toll last week. And, fortunately, uh, Mick Leach is unavailable to Peter Fitzpatrick today because... Mick McCarthy, to his horror, chose him as a winger. You, you weren't happy about this, Peter. Yeah, I, I have to be, I have to be honest. I was in Spain <laughs> on my holidays when I read that Mick was a winger. <laughs> <laughs> there is no way he was the winger on that on the team at that time with Frank O'Neill, unless the two of them were hugging the, the sideline. Uh, seriously, though, uh, Mick was a striker, out and out striker. Uh, he scored goals played off Gilbert he played off various different partners so for me Mick was an out and out striker what we were saying to Gary was we might play 4-3-3 in this team so we can shoehorn him in there so like I said we got Peter Fitzpatrick he's going to pick the Milltown team and we have Dunster Paul who he's going to pick striker since 1987 so we're going to go with Peter first give us your first nomination uh, my first nomination is uh, Paddy Ambrose Paddy played started playing for Shamrock Rovers in 1949 long before my time and he played 15 consecutive seasons he was a one club man he scored over 200 goals sorry he played over 200 games and he scored over 100 goals he won uh, still the record isn't it 109 league goals yeah. no one's ever beaten it no no one has, no one has ever beaten it Paddy won 4 league medals 4 FAI cup medals and um, and my outstanding memory of him was the day he played in, I think it was 1965, for Ireland against England in Dalyman Park. England won 3-1. He, Paddy and Freddie Stratton from Shelburne played in that game. But Paddy was a terrific player. He, he, never, he was never hurried in front of the goal. He just knocked it in. He was clever, good footballer and very modest and something I'll say to you about him I asked him one day they beat Shelburne in Talca Park one, one Sunday and I said to him on the way home Paddy I think you were offside for that second goal he said no he says Peter I wasn't offside I was in line with the linesman <laughs> <laughs> and that is what he always went by he always kept himself in line with the linesman Oh, very good. So, Paul, your first pick. Uh, first pick uh, it's going to be uh, Stephen Gagan. Obviously, uh, the 93-94 league winning side. 
uh, I probably kind of had probably drifted away a little bit from Robertson kind of start going back drifting back in again in the RDS days so uh, he was the first kind of striker like I know probably Vinny Arkins before that but he there was like uh, Gagan was the first real striker that I remember like since leaving Milltown and uh, just that season like he was just he was just like unbelievable uh, if you go back and watch the goals he's kind of known as a poacher but if you go back and watch the goals he scored that season um, there's a lot of them are basically chasing down defenders uh, capitalising on mistakes like so and he did a lot of you see kind of a lot of running down the like getting down the line and doing a lot of the hard work so he wasn't just someone who kind of hung around in the box and uh, and poached goals I think it's all around play I think it was absolutely brilliant I think there was I think it was down a Cove he scored uh, uh, going back to what I was saying about chasing down the goal he got in Cove where I think he basically chased something chased down with the defender and um, I think he kind of he, was trying to clear and he got a block on it and he smashed it across the goal like, and it was just like uh, he was just like that season he was just unplayable absolutely unplayable and uh, it was just such a pity at the time that the club financially weren't in a position to hang on to him and he, and he went to shells and he was a kind of he was a thorn in our sides all this time he was at shells it's unfortunate that like when you kind of you have to pick a player that probably weren't his best days probably weren't at Rovers but while he was at Rovers and that, that season like oh, it's hard to say he single handedly won us 23 goals yeah yeah, it was like 23 goals I don't think probably Twiggy's the only one who's got anywhere near it since like so yeah so even though he's, he said he came back to haunt us yeah, probably Stephen Gagan would be my first choice okay, your second pick Peter uh, my second pick might surprise some people uh, I picked Damien Richardson Damien started playing for Shamrock Rovers he signed for Shamrock Rovers as a very young boy in 1962 and he played until 1972 but my memories of him are in the real memories of him are in the cup finals against Waterford 1968 the 3-0 win and against Cork Celtic and especially the replay of the, of the 1969 cup final he scored in that final Damien Damien was a, a more skillful player than people ever gave him credit for he always worked hard for the team ran the channels and it was at a time when Rovers even though they won the six in a row, they weren't fantastic. They weren't a fantastic team. I'd, like how they won the '69 Cup final is beyond me. They should have been should have been beaten in the first game. The ground with the pitch in Daly Mount was shocking, and it was an own goal from an ex Rovers player in the uh, in the last minute in injury time. Got us a replay, but thankfully it rained for a couple of days before the replay, and the pitch was a lot better. And Rovers. Ramped home in the final 4-1. But Damien, for me, he always did worked hard for the team. He scored plenty of goals. He Damien played 100, over 100 games for Shamrock Rovers, scored 41 goals. In a team that wasn't spectacular in the league, but when it came to the Cup, they seemed to just do enough to win it. So for that reason, I nominate Damien. There was no real other striker because Mick has picked Mick Leach as a winger <laughs> and Damien for me he, had a, he epitomised he loved Rovers you could tell he loved Rovers he loved playing for Rovers 
And he, when he left in 1972, we missed him. He went to Gillingham in England and where he played plenty of games and scored over 100 goals, I think, for, for Gillingham before he ended up managing them. So for that reason, I nominate Damien Richardson. All right, your second pick, Bob. Second pick, uh, it's, uh, it's only one, Tony Cousins. Um, as I was saying, kind of that season, well, not not that season, but kind of like I grew up in Moreno and uh, it was only really when Rovers moved to Talca that I really kind of started going back properly again and uh, to be honest it wasn't a great time for the club like we had a lot of good players but we were kind of kind of financially probably not once again not in the best position and uh, probably struggling a little bit on the pitch and I think Tony came probably came to us probably not at the at the peak of his career like he's he could have been a player who came and kind of took a wage and put his put his feet up but like that season we probably would have been relegated like the 96-97 season we probably would have been relegated if it wasn't for Tony Cousins he was just like unbelievable the amount of late goals to be top scorer in the league yeah. for a team that finished so low on the table that says it all yeah it was crazy as I said like it was just that's like I think Dave Mooney might have done that since at Longford I think it, 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 so it is a really strange occurrence but like a few of the games that stood out I think he he got a late winner it was a run of games where he just was scoring obviously he scored a lot of the last minute goals and now he got a he got a late winner in Sligo I think but the one that stands out for me was uh, the game against Bray and Talca we were 2-0 down and uh, just, I think it might have been well into the 89th or the 90th minute and uh like me and my dad we were in the riverside and I said come on sure. we, we'd head around towards we watched the rest of the game from the back of the goal so uh, we were so we were standing and just as we got around the back of the first goal the first goal went in I think it was like the 90th minute and then I think he got his, an equaliser in the 92nd or the 93rd so like like that point was probably invaluable to us and it said it just epitomised kind of as I said what a great striker what a great footballer he was and just kind of what a professional he was that as I said he kind of could have came in here put his feet up but he didn't he came in he scored lots of goals got us out of relegation probably another one that stands out for me was his hat-trick against Shells in the uh, the Valentine's Day massacre that was the, like one of the best hat-tricks I've ever seen he was just just poacher extra like just three great poachers goals one was a great finish two were like swivel in the box and the other one he, he got on a cross from Sean Francis the fourth one but uh, it was funny because I was working in Dixon's in the Jervis Centre at the time, and I, th- I think it was actually his niece worked with me. So like every Monday morning, I go in after Tony's card, I go in and I give her a hug and a kiss, and I say that's for Tony. <laughs> so I don't know if she ever passed them on, but there you go. Yes, I know. Second pick is Tony Cousins. Number three, Peter. My number three pick came down to a choice between two of the best front men who ever played for Shamrock Rovers uh, between Alan Campbell and Liam Buckley and I decided to go for Alan Alan joined Rovers at a very 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 young age and you could see him progressing as he played more games he ended up in the 1979-80 season as the leading goal scorer in the League of Ireland with 22 goals Um it was a lean time for Shamrock Rovers and scoring goals meant an awful lot insofar as results weren't fantastic but Liam Buckley and Alan playing up front they were a big big plus for us uh, 
Uh, Rovers won the league in the 1983-84 season. And the crowds weren't fantastic in Milltown at the time, despite what some people might think. I remember being there the day, that the evening that they won the league. It was a good Friday they won the league. And the crowd was very poor. But anyway, Alan, he played over 100 games for Shamrock Rovers and scored 70-plus goals in that, 100, in that 100 games. So he's getting more than a goal a game. And Buckley was the same. Now Buckley's scoring average was very, very good. It was, more, it was nearly a goal every, every two games for Liam Buckley. They were a great combination, the two of them, and I found it hard to split them. But I went for Alan because I just thought he had something about him that I liked and I, I just took to him whereas Liam Liam was a great header of the ball and he set up many goals for Alan but Alan's striking and all round play impressed me more um, he left Rovers after the 1983-84 season and went to Racing Santander in Spain and he carved out a career abroad for himself you know? um, he scored many vital goals in games in the 83-84 season so for that reason I picked Alan over Liam it wasn't easy it's just like two similar sweets on the table I just picked one off air you described what it was like uh, picking strikers for this uh, interview could you say that again uh, it was like candy in a oh yeah, it's, uh, like I look at the um, all the strikers in the Milltown area, area and I named them like Eddie Balaam Jackie Mooney Liam Toohey Damien, Mick Lynch, Mick, Le- Mick Leach, Alan Campbell, Alan, uh, Liam Buckley, Noel Larkin, Mick Bourne. And it's like looking at a box of sweets, try looking at a box of similar sweets <laughs> and picking the shinier ones because they, they all did the great job for Rovers. They all met, left our mark at Shamrock Rovers. They all scored goals for Shamrock Rovers. Every one of them. And it would it, it is hard to pick out who are the best. And Truthfully, a lot of people may not agree with my choice of Damien Richardson. That's fine, but certainly, I, 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 picking Paddy Ambrose and Alan Buckley, I'm very comfortable with that. I'd love to have picked Liam Buckley, but I just felt Alan. Alan was something different to me. Good striker, the ball worked hard, and he, he epitomised Shamrock Rovers for me. You know the, the way he, he had a great love for the club and that when he was here. I used to talk to him after games, I suppose, whereas Liam wasn't the talkative type, <laughs> and still isn't. <laughs> I'm thinking back now to Robert Goggins, I asked him to choose uh, right backs, and he was cursing me, and he was like, the person who was going to choose strikers is spot for choice, he wished he had got your job, Peter, the striker nominations. So Paul, number three for you. Number three for me is probably, as you were talking about, like picking pick sweets, I think. It was the easiest one to pick was Gary Twig. Um it's just like his this whole I think he just epitomised all those early years in Tala. He was just uh it was just you always knew that there was a goal when, when he was there. Even like games that it looked like they were filtering out, we always knew in the back of your head that that there's a mo- there'd be a moment here for Twiggy. So, so I, I, the first time I got to see him play was I was actually at the friendly against at Lawn. Was I think it was, might have been Michael O'Neill's first game. I wow. think it might have been Michael O'Neill's first game in charge. 
and like obviously he's coming from breaking and you're kind of like oh my god like but it's kind of, I kind of read up a bit about him that like obviously being a being a derby and all that kind of thing and then kind of so he's obviously knew there was a kind of a bit of a pedigree there but just from the moment I saw him at that game and he's got a really great header that day and then it's, you just kind of knew there was something special and then he kind of the game against Sligo here like I remember this. I think someone else was saying in the podcast that mm-hmm. every, like that was a Scotsman <laughs> that someone who had just arrived that it wasn't like a Shane mm-hmm. Robinson or someone who'd got but like I think I think when you look back on it it's very fitting that Gary Twig got the first goal here at, uh, at Talla and obviously then as the season went on you did the two late goals against balls um, like absolutely brilliant but probably one of my favourite goals that he scored was I think he'd been out injured and he came on as a sub against Rotter up in United Park and I think it was it might have been Danny Murray Danny Murray put a header out like they were Rotter and were pressed right on and he was a booming header and Twiggy was just on it and because he was coming back from injury you're kind of going like he 30 40 yards to run and you were kind of like uh, he's going to put his foot in it but he didn't he just turned on his pace and he brought it and he brought it around the keeper and slotted it home and I think that night the stand was full so myself and Fergus McCormick ended up right down the far end and you can see me runs over myself and Fergus McCormick are up on the fence like going I've come here and he was going to do was just going he's back he's back he's still got it he's still got it and it was just uh, just absolutely brilliant and uh so I said, I think when he left in 2012, you could see as well kind of what it what it meant to him. I uh, I actually I did the final interview with him, well for SRFC TV before he left, and I think we'd beaten Sligo the night before, and I'd actually ruptured my Achilles and I was on crutches, but I I wasn't not doing that interview. I did make it to Sligo, but I dragged myself out here to do the interview with him. Like and uh, it was just like yeah, it's just like I know it, I was sound silly, but I just loved. He smiled when he scored. Like there was never a big angry face. It was a huge smile, and you could see how much every goal meant to him, whether it was a tap in or whatever. It just he loved scoring goals, and I think that's hugely important for a striker that you can't become cynical about your job. You just have to keep loving scoring goals, and he just loved scoring goals. And so yes, yeah, so it was very easy to pick him. <laughs> Don't put you in the spot, Peter. Give us your favourite ever Gary Twig goal. Um. I would have to say the goal against Bohemians that Sunday that sunny Sunday when Pat Flynn got himself sent off mm. I would have to say that was my favourite Gary Twig goal but like, as Paul says he scored in the last game against Sligo and I think it was the third goal that night how he got it in I don't know the yeah, yeah. He, he just seemed to wait for players to move out of the way before he, 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 he just pushed the ball into the back of the net and as Paul says, I was here, out here the Saturday that he, he signed all the stuff for the kids and everything and he was very emotional and you knew what it meant, mm-hmm. what playing for Sean McRoberts meant to, to Gary Twig. He was just, he was, I have to agree, he, he, he was something else. His goals, the goal against Bray in the Carlisle grounds, how he got that in, I don't know. I've never seen a player put a ball in from that angle again since. Mm-hmm. You see lots of goals but... And, try, and lots of goals run through my mind but that goal was exceptional but the goal against Bohemians is definitely my favourite because we were down to 10 men they had just missed a penalty and there was they were gone off looking for the ball and <laughs> <laughs> turned poor Ken a man inside out yeah. he did he, yeah. Ken was 
Tw- had twisted blood, yeah. <laughs> I think I remember hearing later on that, uh, like Ken, like Gary Twig was instrumental in getting Ken O'Man to come to Rovers. That O'Neill actually asked him, like of the defenders in the league, like. I think Ken on the podcast said, just didn't want to play against him anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what it was, yeah. <laughs> All right, your your fourth and final choice, Peter. My fourth and final choice is Mick Bourne. Mick played for uh, Bowes and Shelburne and I had seen him playing for Bowes and Shelburne before he came to Shamrock Rovers and when the Rovers signed him I was thinking my goodness do we need do we need him anyway he struck up a partnership with Noel Larkin and the two of them worked really well together Mick was quick Noel was strong a big strong guy who could hold off defenders lay balls off and Mick could pick up the pieces Mick ended up winning three leagues, three doubles with Shamrock Rovers. They were a good replacement for Buckley and Campbell because when Buckley and Campbell left to go abroad, fans were thinking, who is going to be brought in to replace this? We certainly need good goal scorers, certainly someone good. And did you think they could do it, they could replace them? Initially when they signed, no, because Noel Larkin was coming out of retirement. He'd retired. But... That Shamrock Rovers team at the time, if you couldn't score goals in that Shamrock Rovers team at the time with players like Paul Dool and Pat Bourne, Kevin Brady, Harry Kenny, these guys playing, you'd never score goals for any team. They were, strikers are only as good as what's behind them. And certainly that team, Pat Bourne, Paul Dool, Brady, Kevin Brady, one of the most underrated players in the league, Kevin Brady, in my opinion. You you couldn't fail to score goals, and there was chances carved out in games. And my favourite Mick Bourne goal is the one, the last time he won the FEI Cup, and he buried the third goal, which was typical Mick Bourne. The ball flicked, knocked in behind, he just raced onto it, and he was always had a little bit of sharpness and quickness, and he finished clean into the roof of the net, and Mick left then to go to Huddersfield, and it was. At the time, Huddersfield were under own hand, you know, and they were a useful team. And Mick scored goals in Huddersfield. Probably not as many as he'd liked, but he he went and did better things. And he he played uh, for Den, Den, what do you call Den Hag in Holland. And then he came back and played around the league for a while. But his years at Shamrock Rovers with Noel Larkin put him up there, and that's why he's my fourth nomination. Uh, Forty-one goals in eighty-seven games in a team in an exceptional team um, certainly Mick even to this day Mick is a big favourite here in, in Tala and he's remembered by a lot of fans of, the, of that time before something that in our history it's a, it's a blot in our history was leaving Milltown it was a bad time and I just like to look look back and fellas like Mick Bourne. They won the league, and Mick did the business on the pitch every week. They were, that team worked hard. Every one of the players in that team had to work hard every week. They all worked hard. They never gave games up. I remember a, a, a cup game down in Limerick. I think it was around 1986. Pat Bourne stuck. A free kick away we were getting out, uh, overrun a little bit down there and Pat Bourne stuck a ball in the net and it's something that 
is lacking was lacking in Shamrock Rovers teams afterwards that ability just to work very very hard and get yourself back into the games but they had exceptional players Doolan Pat, Pat Bourne and Harry Kenny and these lads yeah. even Neville Steedman they just they had something about them Paul your last choice actually before I pick my fourth but like when when uh, the prof got kind of got in touch with me, I actually had my four players picked. But then I realised there was a cut off, and I'd actually picked I'd actually picked Mick Bourne myself because like I'd actually started going that like I'd started going a I kind of missed I kind of caught the end of Buckley and Campbell. But so for me growing up, it was it was Larkin and, and Mick Bourne, and uh, like. I thought Mick Bourne was the coolest man on earth. The hair and the moustache, like for an eleven-year-old, twelve-year-old boy, to me he just he just looked so cool. And a famous I, photo, isn't there? Of you yeah, and Mick Bourne. Me and Mick Bourne. Yeah, my, my cousin John Paul. But yeah, but I just want to say that the goal, the goal that sticks out for me was I think it was the final day of the season. We won the league. We beat Cork. I think it was the eighty-six, eighty-seven, and there's one where the ball comes across him and it's going across his body, and he sticks his leg out and he pulls it down and he turns and smashes it across and it was just like one will leave a goal so before I picked my father I didn't say it was good that I couldn't pick Mick Bourne myself but my four player is Desi Baker uh, I, I, I probably would have made sense for people for me to say Desi Baker and leave Twiggy to last but I think it's it would have been impossible for me to talk about to talk about Desi Baker and like and not talk about Twiggy if you don't know but I think when Desi's first time at this at the club it didn't really work out too well and he went out on loan to uh, to Dundalk and I think when Mick O'Neill came out took came out took over, uh, John Bourne, who was on the board at the time, was like we and he was saying he was uh, he's really interested, he wants he wants to bring Desi Baker back. He thinks he can really build something around Desi Baker. <laughs> It didn't didn't absolutely make sense to us. But just from the first night then with him, just the relationship he struck up with Twiggy was just unbelievable. Like uh, I just loved watching him that season. Like I know he probably wasn't didn't play as an out and out striker, but all his like his little flicks, his little look away passes, like loads of goals, and he just as I said, he kind of along with Twiggy, he kind of brought he played the game with a smile on his face as well, which I think people hadn't done at Rovers for a while like it brought a level of joy to the team like it at that although there was still there with like Rice or Danny Murray like where there was a good backbone to the team like up front it was beautiful it was like it was played as the two players playing with a smile on their face and I think Desi was a was a huge huge part of that like as I said he scored on the first night and then he got some really good important goals although it proves kind of not to be too important in the end but I was free kick up in Dundalk in that 2009 season it was the one where we'd kind of been going one, I think we were one up one all and we pulled it back and then I think Twiggy got the third one lovely like swivel and uh, turned it home but then we got a free kick and Desi stood over and he just smashed it and like it's the celebrations that night I love watching going back and watching that game like on, on YouTube or whatever you just go back and you watch the celebrations and like he absolutely got everyone's going absolutely crazy. Like, but I love going back and watching Coppola. I think I think for the Player of the Year award, or I think they did a little video. And if you go back and watch his goals, and he's just 
He was just absolutely brilliant. And like he was another player, as I said, he was obviously great career. Like kind of a, when he was at Shelbourne, and I, like made a kind of a name for himself at Man United as well. Like another player who probably with nothing to prove could have came and put his foot up and took away. But he was he was just absolutely brilliant that season. Absolutely brilliant, and I'm glad he got he kind of got to win a league with us because uh, I think it was fully deserved. It's kind of a nice way for him to top off his career like because he was uh, absolutely brilliant but yeah so far choice be Desi Baker so when this goes to a poll online and you only have to pick two out of these four that you've uh, named today what two do you go with yeah me I go with Gary Twig and Tony Cousins right and out of your four Peter what two do you want um, Paddy Ambrose and Mick Bourne okay uh, just last word on the FBI Cup final what are you looking forward to and what's your plans for the day in general I'm going with my son-in-law. I've already got the tickets for the premium section. I am really looking forward to the last cup final we won was against Dundalk. The first game I ever attended was Shamrock Rovers and Dundalk in September 1963 in Milltown. And I think the hurt of 32 years and four beaten finals is going to be relieved that day. And I am confident Shamrock Rovers are going to win 2-1. Alright Paul, your yeah. thoughts in the final? Yeah, well yeah, we're kind of hoops SA, same thing, we're on premium but we've got, the, the, our thing behind that was, we've, we've I think with just 40 of us so uh, we've kind of block booked an area in the premium section as well um, hopefully drinking rings end on the day I know with Dundalk, I've had it the last couple of years <laughs> but I think it'd be uh, just an absolute crime if Rovers can't drinking rings end on a, on a cup final day, absolute crime I know there's talks behind the scenes trying to make that happen so hopefully that'll be great but uh, yeah I think um, I said like I was I was at that Dundalk final as well and I, was, I remember being really really I don't know why before that game I was convinced Dundalk, for some reason I thought Dundalk were going to beat us that day and like we actually destroyed <laughs> we won 3-0 so kind of similar to Pete that'd be great I think it's going to be like I think it's going to be a really good game for the neutral as well I think you can if the weather's good if it's not rain I reckon you get a really big walk up crowd and that because it's the best do you know what I mean it's the best two football sides in the country there's like so many like if Jack Bourne Borky and even on their side as well there's like lots of exciting players like obviously Duffy and kind of uh, McElhenney and all those kind of players but yeah it's, gonna, it's got like it's hopefully now would be a really really good game but yeah I think uh, I'm going to go 2-1 Rovers as well what would it mean to you if we did it oh, it'd, be, it'd be everything it'd be, I think uh I think we were talking about it last night, a few of us were in McCluskey's and Donnybrook after the game, and we were kind of saying, it'll kind of draw a line, I think it's the final line from Milltown, that we're like, that we haven't won a league, like we've won a league since Milltown, like we've got a new ground, like winning the FA Cup is the last thing, although obviously Milltown will always be part of our history, it'll be the final line in the Hort, like it'll be the final nail in the coffin of the Hort in Milltown, that, that we've won it, we've got our own home, we've won a league, and if we win an FA Cup, an FAI Cup, I think it'd be just, I said, it'd just be absolutely brilliant for the club. It would mean everything, wouldn't it, Peter? It would mean everything, and I agree with everything Paul says as regards the hurt from uh, Milltown, because it was dreadful. It was dreadful. I'll never forget it. But for me, also, for Stephen Bradley and Steve McPhail and Glenn Crowley, um the abuse that man took over, uh, Stephen Bradley took over the years. There are not many managers would have survived that. And Stephen Bradley has survived because he had a plan and he worked on it. 
and the team has got better and better and the football they play it is superb and if anybody even last Friday against Finn Harps their ability to keep the ball just keep moving the ball and passing it okay it can look sterile at times where we're going nowhere but the skill the, the players work very very hard under Stephen and I spoke to Stephen a couple of weeks ago in Richmond Park at the under 13s game and I said we beat Dundalk once every year and we're going to beat them in the final and he just uh, he didn't say anything to me he just said yeah okay (laughs) but I think for Stephen Bradley the board and everything they've done sticking by Stephen Bradley and and his staff it will be if we can win the cup it will be a massive massive thing for the football club it'll be massive I think for the academy for the young kids in the academy to see the club win the FAI cup if there's a big attendance on the day in, in, in the Aviva and there's no reason that it shouldn't be because the football played by both teams is superb anybody who thinks that it's not, super, not good football they need to go and, and give their head a good shake it is superb ball being kept on the floor the dog will be dangerous they are always dangerous especially on the counter the counter attack but I firmly believe Rovers are going to win and uh, going to deny them their their treble, their treble. And hopefully that 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 will be the case. I'm confident. I'm not nervous about the final at all. I wasn't even nervous about the final in 1968 against Waterford. <laughs> Waterford, Water, I have this thing that I get a bit nervous before games, and there's certain games I don't get anyway nervous. I didn't get nervous about the semi-final against Bohemians. I was confident they were going to beat Bohemians. You must have been the only fan in Dublin who wasn't nervous for that game, to be honest. Against Bohemians? Yeah. We were all breaking it. No, I just, I just... I looked at the Bohemians' team... I had heard things about from the Bohemians camp that Buckley wasn't playing the night before. I have friends who are sons playing Bohemians and Buckley was not in the team the night before. And when I saw him on the pitch, coming out on the pitch, I said, happy days. Because the lad is injured. Mm-hmm. And another player was named in his position the night before. And the, the other player was disappointed he wasn't playing. So I, I, no, I wasn't confident. I wasn't. I was confident against Bohemians, and in the '68 final against Waterford, I was confident going up in, into the element that day. The only thing that surprised me was the massive crowd. <laughs> <laughs> and Waterford were at the time flying. They'd won the league. They were a fantastic team. But Rovers, with injuries and everything, just rolled them over. Now I'm, co- I'm confident. I'm not nervous about this final at all. So that's the two boys, and uh, I guess. I guess there's four, didn't I? I guess Dunster's four. Yeah, I think we anticipated those four. Uh, I suppose other than the three of Twig, Gagan, Cousins, there's no other like standout gold machine No, not in really. the last 30 years. But because of how revitalised Beggar was when he came back... Cult status. That would be a cult hero, wouldn't it? Yeah. And that partnership with Twiggy, uh, he certainly warranted a place in the four. Yeah. Uh, Peter Fitzpatrick's four... I I really liked. He had Tommy Liam too. He initially, and then he changed his mind on that one. But uh, a good four. He, I think it was off air. We spoke about Paddy Cold, and he he said he just never got the opportunity to see him play. And that might be the biggest failing of our little exercise here, all time eleven. No just Paddy Cold. Yeah. 
But out of all the people we interviewed, only Mick McCarthy had actually seen Paddy Cobb play. We're talking about like when he was a sprightly thirty-year-old. He he left to become player manager of Waterford in nineteen sixty. So we're talking about a long time ago. <laughs> but uh, on that note, now that the nominations are all complete, I've decided to do something. Oh, here we go. I've made an all-time eleven of players who did not receive a nomination. Ooh, and it's actually a strong team. It's a busy man, Prof. Go so ahead. So in goal we've got Barry Murphy. All right. Right back Paddy Mulligan. Okay. Centre-backs, Gina Brazil and Dermot Keeley. I'm actually surprised neither of them. Yeah. On any, any other day they could have, Surprised though. both of them didn't. Or one of them, anyway. Uh, left-back, Tommy Dunn. There actually wasn't a major standout left-back who didn't get in. I think the, the eight that was mentioned were probably the right eight. But I've gone with Tommy Dunn there. Centre-mid, Ronan Finn and Mark Kenny. Ronan Finn? Yeah. Not even nominated? No, sure you heard it once yeah. earlier. Tracy just when you say it out loud. Tracy and Toll. Uh, Liam Toohey on the wing, because apparently we can just do that. Yeah. We, we can just play players in the wing when we feel like it. Uh, Gary McCabe on the other wing. And up front, Liam, Liam Buckley and Paddy Cole. So that's some team. Yeah. Any other day, you could make a top 11. There you go. All right, so uh, that's the lads. That's the end of it. So uh, we won 3-0 UCD last Friday. After condemning Finn Harps to the playoffs the week before and then sent UCD back down to the fourth division. Get down there, they were So they're gone. Oh, over. Sorry, uh, Mr. Cairns. <laughs> so the team was Joey, Eaton, McAniff, and Cummins all came in with Jack Bourne suspended. Finner Green and Cavo stayed on the bench. We had five ex UCD players in the match day squad. Of course, the return of O'Neill and Frugia after their summer move. Once again, Prof, another game I missed. Getting fed up with this. The amount of times I was asked at that game, where where is the other fella? Right, can I just clear this up? If we're married or something. Can I clear this up? Just my I work nights, so it's 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 it makes it much easier when my kids are being minded by somebody, right? Horma has been away out of the country for fucking ten weeks now. Ten long weeks and of no one to take them. No one trustworthy anyway. And uh, my mother wasn't wasn't great in the last while, so she can she couldn't take me either. She was unwell, so I just I've, I've missed like four or five games in a row, and I'm just getting upset now. But I'm going tomorrow. Go to Cork. Go and drink a million points, <laughs> and get on the pitch. Nude. <laughs> but yeah, so that's it. Kieran Stafford. He tweeted, Sibri refused to believe I just witnessed Carl Cairns go up to the steward at the gate of the UCD balls him, Carl Cairns' brother and Moochie in on a freebie. This sparked wild debates. <laughs> wild debates. Now I'd be, I'd be a bit of a Cairns, I'd be on the side of the Cairns, but this, this makes me sick. And he probably justified it by saying he spent the 15 in the bar, which is probably very true. Well, him and James Law were in the UCD bar. Uh, some were refused. Is that all access? I mean, what way? Yeah, tell me. Yeah. A couple what? of the Ultras lads were refused in. Why? No, you're not a student? Yeah, they were told they weren't a student. And then they showed the barman. Uh, it actually says on the website that it's open to all or whatever. Right. Or any ex-alumni. What's that word? Uh, alumni. Yeah. Alumni. Yeah. And uh, he said, no, that's wrong. Really? And we have to change that. No way. I don't want the money. Fair enough. Um, yeah. yeah so, so Carl is a Carl the Moocher Cairns you know what makes me laugh about Carl Cairns at at UCD games is that he will look to have a fight with 
anyone who says anything bad about Connor. <laughs> but at the same time, he's actually Connor's biggest critic yeah. in the stand. So if he does something stupid, it's fucking shy. He'll be the one like yelling at him like you tick. <laughs> so someone's yeah. like, Matt Carnes are brutal and Carl's like, shut your mouth, right? Only I can say shy. <laughs> so um yeah, so got the bus to the game, uh Mick McCarthy and Derek Kelly. I didn't actually realise they were on the bus until, ah, don't worry. until we got off. So we Mick wa- was too easy mooching with the women, I'd yeah. say. On the back. Bit of hairy. So we walked up and uh, the bus was, was actually really late. So we, by the time we got there, the pairs were only coming out uh, just by the railings. So they're actually like about like 10 feet from you yeah, when you walk actually, by there. It's quite there. close, yeah. There's a rail and yeah. there's a, there's a, like a yeah. fence in the way, isn't it? So Max kind of was good timing. And Mick McCarry just goes like, come on the hoops! And the whole team just heard him and just looked at us. And uh, I got the UCD hot dog, but it wasn't the same hot dog. It, this was a regular hot dog. Nothing. Where was the crispy onions? Where was the uh, mustard? The, weren't there, Gar. Nothing juicy about this one, Prof. Deccan Hughes on the PA, he encouraged people to buy the programme because it could be the last one as UCD as a Premier Division club for quite a while. Ooh, no way. Which is an odd so pitch. They're scaling it down, probably. I mean, maybe they're not too confident mm-hmm. for the coming years. Um, Very little interest in this game, I would say. It had a League Cup feel to it. Pre-season friendly, I'm hearing as well. Yeah, definitely had that feel to it. Uh, and still, someone actually asked on Facebook, can you pay at the gate? Yeah, good old Jay Mangan, was it? No, it wasn't Jay Mangan. No. There's always one, though. Can you pay at the gate at UCD? No, it's all ticket me. Sorry. Oh, Jay didn't know how to get to the ground. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, James Lowe tried to get the dart to UCD. Uh, <laughs> doesn't actually stop there. <laughs> so that, that went wrong. I think he was going to get a dart in UCD. That's what it was. <laughs> he going for a dart in UCD. Yeah. The first half, I stood near the famous steps where that Bose fan ran at Conor Kearns and became immortalised in a photo. Where Bucker Bailey famously stormed off after being sent off. <laughs> Should have a velvet rope around this. Yeah. And the chances probably was uh like you said, pre season. Great to see Joey O'Brien keeping up the, the Tifty's gift of goals. I knew mm-hmm. whenever he's been on the show he's scoring a goal, very slick header. Podcast bump. But the chances before his goal, uh you might have heard that we hit the bar, but this was the most casual ball hitting a crossbar you'll ever <laughs> see. Like it was a header and Connor just casually watched it come down in no danger whatsoever and just hit the back of the bar there was a great move involving uh, Brando and Frugia they looked good all night they, they had a really good night uh, He said they set up Cummins but he shot wide Cummins had another chance I can't remember what stage of the game this was but there was a lovely back heel by McIniff to put him through and uh, so yeah we played some nice football on the night and uh, so as you say yeah, Brian put us one up 15 minutes in Lovely little squared ball header into the top corner. Joey off celebrating as he does. Yeah, it came from the Watts free kick and then big leap from Grace headed back into Joey. And then Joey scored. Uh, it took a long time for the scoreboard to change from 0 to 1. It took nearly. They thought they'd get away with it. <laughs> it took 10 15 minutes, I think. Don't say that. Maybe it's a more difficult job than we think here. Yeah. Scoreboards. Um. <laughs> Yes, it is. Uh, Watts went off injured. And, uh, uh, hopefully he's not too bad. And he's in contention for the final. And Cummins, 
Second goal. 45 minutes. Great time to score a goal. Super ball by Frugio. Super ball. Uh, Frugio, your man's torn inside out. He was skinned alive. And yeah. he's still riding around in pain in the UCD ball. That is the type of thing. Do you know what, do you know what the best thing about that, that, that whole match report was? Great wing play by Ferrugia was a sentence I read about a Rovers goal. Great wing play. When was the last time you saw the word wing even mentioned? Wing play when I was in fucking KFC. That's the last time I saw it mentioned. <laughs> Great wing play. And he torn him inside there, whipped it in, and a beautiful header. And that is what Farouge is going to bring to the team when we keep him fit. It's such a different dimension, and we don't have anything like it. Who's our new winger again? Neil Farouge. Yeah, so Brando, um, controversial goal, 64 minute. Uh, this is nuts. This, like, I'm trying not to be biased about this. I'm going to call it how it is. Like, Conor Cairns kicks it and pulls up. It looks like it's. His calf or his hammer goes down, faces the other way, so we can't really see what's going on as he's riding in pain. And then their pass back goes astray. Brando gets a hold of it, and Cummins or Karen's tries to get up, but just kind of slaps the ground and goes, Fuck this. And then Brando strokes it home. It depends on what approach you take. I think the Rovers approach is going to bury it all day, but a young guy like that trying to get into the team. He's going to take the chance. Or you could say that it was a nothing game and he could have, you know, did a, did a De Canio and didn't stroke at home and put the ball out of play and let him get injury or treated. Did he play on? Conor Cairns play on? Played on, yeah. So obviously it wasn't that bad. Yeah, I talked to Conor after about this. What happened was he had a spasm in his leg, so it locked up. Right. And as everyone said to him afterwards, you probably should have put it out of play, not passed it. But what he said was he didn't fully understand how bad it was until he passed it so then he did pass it out to the, the defender and then you see him putting his hand up and he goes down mm. so why does he use the defender he's looking straight at him it's not like a no look pass yeah it's a straightforward pass and then he returns it straight to connor who is clearly getting on the ground hurt mm. so it's not defender a- should be really a, uh getting hammered for this one it was, this was entirely the defender's fault. He's gotten away scot-free. I don't even know his name. It's been, he's, he, uh, is, isn't he? Evan Farrell, I Didn't think he get was, away yeah. scot-free, though? It's been called a misplaced back pass in a straight... No, it wasn't. No. It was a crisp pass back to a keeper, but he was injured. Yeah, and he was visibly down on the ground injured, so I'd so call he had it no assist. business returning back to yeah. him. As for a should Brando have scored now, you mentioned the Canio. He won't be win- winning the, uh, the Canio Fair Play Award. I think when you say a crisp but, pass, I think that's... Uh, it was a crisp that's pass. Ca- that's called for a minus two bookies docket. <laughs> <laughs> if Connor is up and alert and looking for it, it's a perfectly acceptable pass. Yeah. But why on earth did he do it? But Brando and uh, Connor are actually good mates, funny enough, in the under twenty ones. And uh, he said he didn't blame Brando at all for this. No, nah, I, I, I'd, I'd have buried it. I'd have celebrated in front of the fans. We were, <laughs> we were looking back at the replay, thinking like, like does Brando see him down? Like we were studying Brando. Does he? But he looks he does, like he, he does, sees him, he, does he knows. He's from Crumlin. Not a good Crumlin man there as but, well. But this is Brando's first league goal. He's only ever scored in the Leicester Senior Cup. So, I mean... He was taking that all day. Who would pass it? Cup final chance? coming up. Seeing his name in lights. Plus it didn't affect the game. Yeah, true. It, it was over anyway. Um, yeah, it's first league goal. at the 36th time of asking. I'm shocked. I'm shocked actually. He's scored in the Cup, hasn't he? Well, the Leicester Senior. Yeah, yeah. he's scored in the Cup. Definitely. But uh, the majority of those were sub appearances, obviously. But still, 36 league games took a while. 
So the last 20 minutes with 10 men after Ferrugia came off. Don't wait, hold on. Are we talking about with an injury? Yeah, he came <sighs> off was maybe just a precaution or whatever. But hopefully uh, so. Yeah. To be honest, I didn't notice. I actually didn't notice we were playing with 10 men. That <laughs> you were told. J- James Law was just distracting me with stories about Mitzi for like most of the second half. Yeah, Mitzi's great. Uh, he's pointing out that Mitzi brings random people from work to games. He he bring he tagged someone along, didn't he? Yeah. So this time it was a middle-aged man from Croatia named Dennis. How are you, Dennis? Big shout out. <laughs> we all love that his name is Dennis. Yeah. He looked like a bank manager. <laughs> and here he was with Mitzi at a Rovers game. Mitzi dragging uh, him along. That's what you need, though. We've done it. <laughs> we've done it ourselves. So as for performances, uh, Greg Bolger was excellent for us. I mentioned Brando slowly working his name onto that team sheet for the final isn't he that's it because it's probably probably the one major decision in that starting lineup. O'Neill or Bulger O'Neill or Bulger so he made a strong case for himself for them uh, Liam Scales and Richie O'Farrell look pretty good Scales the rumours doing around rounds again Scales looking at signing for the yeah. hoops yeah so uh, all looking good at the minute uh, hopefully clean bill of hell coming up to uh, the final we're going to talk about our standing 11s and predictions soon um, but Prof the new watering hall the points yeah. you've been uh, made a made man in the mafia <laughs> and not Joey Pesci style in the garage not shot in the back of the head is that what that ceremony was I didn't know what that was <laughs> but uh, yeah I mentioned James Law there It was he actually came back with us his first time there uh, I can forgive a Northsider not knowing where the points is but who, I, I actually who? still can forgive own rice when named. I told him to meet me at the Pines and he goes which one named and shamed list of hatred list of hatred the Pines yeah. is a rover's stronghold the whack will be informed by this the whack yeah, he knows he knew yeah. the second it came from his mouth no there we had a, it was a good night actually we had a great chat about the all time 11 which is exactly what I hoped was happening across pubs in Dublin because <laughs> like old school discussion over points Brilliant. Because we weren't getting much feedback online, so you're wondering, like, are people enjoying this? Like, I've given up on that. Yeah. I've given up on online feedback because it's it doesn't mean much. When I say it doesn't mean much, you'd get a lot more enjoyment out of sitting and having a couple of points and discussing it than yeah. sitting in the, in, in the Jackson work posting on Robert's chat. But what this told me was that people have been talking about this, this all the time 11. And I mentioned the the way they were talking about midfielders. They also love the honourable mentions, which I love as well. I think it's, the honourable mentions is actually... Essential. It's an important part of it. Yeah, essential. And they were talking about who might get the striker nominations. Like, they were looking ahead to the next one. Like, it was really good. Great to see the amount of interest in this uh, feature we've been doing. And uh, I also love how the lads... Uh, anytime anybody in their life outside of Rovers brings up possibly doing something on the Monday... After the cup final, it's like, uh, no. Not a chance. It's like, there's a work thing on. It's like, I'll do it on Wednesday. Mm, I'll start on Wednesday. No, no, here, even if we lose, yeah. I think we should all be out anyway and just to kind of celebrate. But, but I just can't bear thinking. Like, I mean, the whack came over and he was like, he was like, the wife wants me to get the car serviced on November 4th. I told her, maybe December 4th. <laughs> <laughs> It's like nothing is happening that, nothing, that Monday. Nothing. Kids no one's aren't going to work. Fed. Kids aren't getting fed. Dogs going fucking get, get not getting fed. Nothing's happening. Nothing is happening. 
the the green and white flu. Um, yeah, so that's it. The points should probably plug down for a sponsor, Prof. Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. at this stage. Anyway, whack work on it, whack and Mick McCarthy there. They've got a pull. McCarthy is the keys, remember? McCarthy literally, literally. So, underage news we have the under 19s. Not a great week for them, beating 2 0 by Galway in the league semi final on Saturday. Supposed to be a very good Galway team. Yeah, Galway scored at the very start of the game and the very end of the game when they hit us on the break. So the 15s were they actually the only team who made their league final out of the four age groups. Yeah. Not very, uh, not not very productive day or week. But so the 15s played their league final against St Pat's on Thursday half seven at Talent. It'll be the first time the team's playing at the stadium. So get out and support them if you're listening to this in time. So this will be out. If you're listening to it right now, get up and see them tonight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's it. We're tipping Michael Letty to be the star. Michael this. Letty to be the star, yeah. Bang home, couple of goals. And the replay, the 13th League semi-final took place at Frankhook Park and Rovers lost to Pats. Less said about that, the better. It was 8-0. And uh, that is a shocking, shocking scoreline. Stunning star. What the scoreline. hell happened there? Less said, the better. They, they, they only happen once in a lifetime, so... Unfortunately, it happened. Uh, Pats were excellent on the night. This is from the Gog. Pats were excellent on the night and got two early goals. Some of our players are much smaller and younger than theirs. That makes a huge difference at that age. So, um, yeah, that's a bit of an insight into why we were beating mm-hmm. 0 And those teams actually meet again in the League Cup on Saturday at Richmond Park. So that will give us an idea. Was that scoreline just a once-off? Hopefully, hopefully that's the case. Aaron Dobbs, transfer news. Signed for Shelbourne. He's 20 years old now. So, uh, could be a good sign. Seemed, seemed to be a good player just never really kicked on with us was he quite small he was the next big thing at one stage he was yeah next big thing uh, Dundalk lost again so that's the cork the gap between us is cut down to 11 points this is a good thing losing games before a cup final is a good thing I don't care what anyone says for us fuck them like their morale could be slightly down now I mean if we were going into a cup final with two or three losses under our belts we'd be disgusted delighted they're losing can only be good for us Definitely, can't can't be any different. Um, I mean, you can say you talk about team selections or they're just dead rubbers or whatever, but winning is winning. Yeah, true. You know, it helps. Momentum is a good thing. Definitely, hundred percent agree with you. Uh, Bowes got Europe and Pat's still have an outside chance somehow. So Bowes, um, oh wait, you hear this, Carl? There's a tweet going around, right? Some guy off Bowes. He tweeted. League titles, doubles, cup wins. Oh, I saw None that. of this can compare to what we've done tonight. Coffee for Europe. Third place. Over a league win. Now, I don't care what background you come from, what you're into, how many Venezuelan goats that you milk so you can make a latte for some fucking hipster. That is bollocks. To say that qualifying for Europe is better than winning leagues and winning cups and winning silverware. That is fucking insane. The big club, girl. The big club. That is insane. No matter what way you look at that, you can come and you can just try and justify it. No. There's no justification for for, for, for failure, pretty much. Coming toward. Having said that, uh, I'm not going to say anything negative about the pitch invasion because... I celebrate how you want. Because like we say in the show... Celebrate as you celebrate want. how you want. I'm nothing yeah. against that. I don't can't I can't tell people how to celebrate. No, celebrate how you, whatever you want. But to say that it's better than winning leagues and cup titles, 
is fucking nuts. They hadn't made Europe in seven years. So it was a per- perfectly understandable reaction. As oh, yeah, someone, celebrate all as you someone want. actually pointed out, we did the same at Talca Park when we qualified for the Intertoto Cup we in 1998. Celebrate whatever way you want. Yeah. But like I said, that statement there was, was just fucking outrageous. But what I'm going to say is, uh, Bowles have managed to withdraw from the Scottish Challenge Cup at the quarterfinals. Yep. The Leinster Senior Cup at the semi-finals and field an ineligible player in the same season. What is going on there? That is a joke. That is a joke, yeah. And they won't be reprimanded over it either. And if we did, we did all that shit, we'd be fined. We'd have something done to us. I, I thought Gary Dempsey's tweets, tweets Total were Total lack of disrespect, yeah. Have you got it there? Uh, I don't have them there. He, he played for North End United, who had lost to Bowes in the previous stage. And he was talking about how they barely got a team together and, you know, they gave it their all. And then Bowles can just turn around and withdraw from the cup. Yeah. And these guys will be taken seriously as well. It's it's a lack of respect, re- realistically. Like, and they would no reason not to play. They would no reason not to play. They have a pool of players from the 17s, 19s and the senior squad and they could have put together a squad to play that. All those fixtures that they pulled off. So, um, like I said, there's no excuse for it at all. Uh, yeah, so that is it pretty much. Um, for the league, the league's pretty much done and dusted. Pats still have an outside chance. Um, well, the thing is, Derry have harps on the last day. So, I mean, you'd expect Derry to win that. Yeah, so. expect them to win that. So, we'll see what happens there. So, yeah, yeah. up next, we have our uh, quiz final. Quifty's Heavyweight Championship Battle of the World. It's Pico versus Joey. Okay, so we're at the Rose Lawn for the biggest cup final of the season so far. It's questions for the East Stand final between Pico Lopez and Joey O'Brien, two internationals. So, to prove once and for all who's the smartest player in the squad, previous winner of the quiz was Luke Bourne in 2007, Davey McAllister in 2008 when he beat Joey in the final. So this uh, a year in the making for Joey, still keeps him awake at night apparently, Joey. That's, that's yeah. what it is. That's why I'm back. <laughs> He's been ploughing through opponents this season, in fairness. So he's only the trophy that's sitting on the table in front of us. So it's the Tifty 2019 uh, trophy. So Joey beat Sam Bone, Alan Manison, Ethan Boyle en route to the final with two clean sheets. Pico, our new Cape Verde International, defeated Lee Grace. Sean Callan, Aaron McAneff along the way. The format will be different today. There's 10 football questions, 10 general knowledge, and he'll hear them no matter what. So it's all about who gets the most points in the end. It's a higher standard of questions, so we'll find out for sure who the smartest player is in the squad. So we alternate between two categories and we'll make your selections. For an added twist, instead of random numbers on the page, you can actually see the topic. So general knowledge, seven is movies, so you know what you're in for. Steals are still allowed, and as always, we have to take your forced answer. So note there are two multiple choice questions in each category, and you cannot steal multiple choice. It's a lot to take in. So uh, there's no major advantage to going for us, but to determine who we gave you a spelling challenge. So Joey had to spell plantar fasciae, and in a in a sentence, ouch, me bleeding plantar fasciae. And Pico's word was archipelago. Am I saying that right, bro? Archipelago. Archipelago. And Cape Verde is an ar- archipelago of ten volcanic islands. Nation. Should have known that one, Pico. Yeah, easy. So well. Um, I'll tell you how they did here. So, plantar fasciae, P-L-A-N-T-A-R-F-A-S-C-I-A. Joey nailed it. And archipelago, Pigo just got one letter wrong. A-R-C-H-E-P-E-L-A-G-O. It's actually A-R-C-H-I-P. I never said that. Toy breaker for us. So that's it. So Joey goes first. 
And you get to pick general knowledge or football. Any. Yep. Whatever you want. So number two, European football. So Joey's gone with two in European football, right? Uh, Vincent Company is a player manager of which club? Anderlecht. Yeah, that's one. Right. Uh, so Pigo football. Pigo football. Or football. Well, three European football. European football, Joey. Joey's getting very <laughs> finicky now. Right, so we'll go for number three European football. So how many goals has Lionel Messi scored so far this season? Forty-one. Two. Two goals. Oh, you're right. Yeah, 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 you Irish history should I know so uh, number three so in what year did Ireland become a republic without the options so it's 1916 1922 or 1949 what year did Ireland become a republic a republic yeah let's say 1949 1949 yeah <laughs> you got that right on the buzzer right on the buzzer so 1949 that's right general knowledge general knowledge Pico Geography, surely there's a Cape Ray question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do you spell? <laughs> Num- number one, general knowledge, what is the capital of Finland? Helsinki. Yeah, there we go. He's back on track. He's back on track. You're back to the people, Lydia. <laughs> so, Joey, general knowledge for you. Now, football. I don't know your history. Oh, you're right, yeah. Football. Fucking hell. Joey, dude. Joey, you're winning, are <laughs> well, he's going for English football, isn't he? Number five, yeah. English football, right, number five. So which city will host the... No, that is not it. Is which English championship club plays at the Kirklees Stadium? Which English championship club plays at the Kirklees Stadium? Spell it. Kirk, K-I-R-K-L-E-E-S. Kirklees. Kirklees. Five seconds. Brantford. Out to you, Pigo. Jesus. Bristol? No, it's Huddersfield Town. Can you not hit the candle button? Right, so that was Hud- Huddersfield Town for that one. I wouldn't have guessed that. Is that, 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 new, is that a new stadium? Is that what it's called, yeah? yeah, yeah. I never knew that. Well, that's a sponsor name. I had a feeling that was renamed recently. Yeah. So it's on to... Me. Just let Joey tell us. He keeps track of his bird. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll go number four. Number four. Get over. Get over. I like this. All right, so... Uh, we have a photograph question and you're going to have to get this one right you're going to have to get this one right I don't have to get it right in the sense like no you just have to get it right uh, who's the man in this photograph Papon. Got it. Yeah, there we go. Yes! Joy.
Joey's nodding. Here got it. I need to get that. Would you got it? Yeah. Yeah. I think he's gonna get it as well. <laughs> you gotta get. You gotta get that one, boy. General knowledge. Yeah. You said us. <laughs> General knowledge. Mm, Force bit of hesitation of seeing Joey all season. So he's gone with number seven, general knowledge, and it is movies. So name two actors. This is uh, multiple choice, so it can't be stolen. Name two actors who have portrayed the Joker in a film. Two actors who portrayed the Joker in the film. Joaquin Phoenix and Heath Ledger. Yep, that was it. Was that multiple choice? Yeah, there was Lois There was Cesar Romero, Jack Nicholson, Jack Nicholson. Jared Leto. Yeah. And we're into who are we into now? Me, we have general knowledge. General knowledge. I'll go for music. I hope oh, it's not Irish music. music. Right? <laughs> right Give us a Rihanna song. So, which singer is known as the Godfather of Soul? Ah, oh, Jesus. James Brown. Yeah, that's right. Joey had that one. I can see it in his eyes. Football name for Joey, isn't it? Oh, he's international football. Um, Claudio Pizarro is playing in Germany at the age of 41. He won 85 caps for which country? Claudio Pizarro. Five seconds. Chile. Chile. Peru. The no, it's okay, because now we, we're even. Oh, you're even. Who's yeah. your guy? Oh, I don't know what this is. I used to call it. Careful that one, girl. Stone. Who's that? Cancel button there. Oh, I want the general knowledge. No, but me for. No, football. Okay, so uh, this is multiple choice. So six nations have already qualified for Euro 2020. Can you name two of them? It's not multiple choice. Maybe you can hand this to Joey if he doesn't get it. Um, Ukraine and Spain. Yeah, that'll do. Got it. Ukraine and Spain. 4 3 up. 4 3 up. Next one's the winner. Right. No, it's not first to five. It's just points, many points you get at the end of all 20 when we're done. He's so yeah. close now. Yeah. It's saying I'm in with a chance for yeah. the Reels of the chance. <laughs> <to go. laughs> You're not on. You might get your day out. Yeah. Knowledge. Maybe it's Joey sealed the first five, so he keeps winning. Football. Did you? Yeah. He's going for other sports. For the table tennis for Joey, maybe. So, uh, which city will host the 2020 Olympics? Tokyo. Mm. Very good. <laughs> the general knowledge. Since neither is another. Military game, Japan. Oh, so that was general knowledge. So it's football on for Pico now? Uh, general knowledge, Pico. General knowledge again. I'll follow the trend. I go with a sport as well. Number eight. So, uh, in which sport is a shuttlecock used? Admin. Football, football. Right, so number eight, European football. Name the former Premier League winning manager who's just taken over at Serie A bottom side, Sampdoria. Oh, 
Claro, Neri. Five all. Five all. Football for Pigo. Mm-hmm. It was choosing very carefully now. Yeah. Oh, Irish football, number seven. Wait, Irish football, number seven. Which one of these clubs have won the League of Ireland? Finn Harps, Galway, or Athlone? So this is multiple choice, prof. It can't be passed on. So Finn Harps, Galway, or Athlone? Athlone. Yep. Yeah. Athlone won it in '81 and '83, so that's a good show. No. What was you said? Well, I might have guessed, like, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I guessed. Right, well so round knowledge. Uh, yeah, yeah. Back to Couldn't need a tiebreaker. Avoiding the maths questions here. Um, so general knowledge number six is music and name Britney Spears' first ever single. This is your generation, Joe. Is it? <laughs> Hit me, baby, one more time. That's, yep. it. That's it. If you didn't get that, you imagine the Britney Spears posters on the on the bedroom wall. <laughs> right, so we're on to general knowledge again for Pico. We're sticking around with this one, isn't it? Yeah. We got fo- two football ones just there. Oh, uh, nine gaming for gaming. Yeah. Okay, so this is general. Oh, this is a multiple choice, right? So, in which year was the first PlayStation console released in Europe? Was it 1990, 95, or 2000? 95. 95 is right. Yep. Yeah. No, I could be. Little brother was born that year. I remember me and my older brother uh, playing it before he was born. Yeah. Yeah. He goes on a roll here, friend. Mm. English football. Right, Joey's going for English football. He might be going safe here. So uh, let me see. He's avoided all the robbers, basically. <laughs> so this is multiple choice. So it can be passed on, all right. So who holds the record for most European goals for a British club? Thierry Henry, Wayne Rooney or Steven Gerrard? Most that? European goals for a British club? Henry, Rooney or Gerrard? Rooney. Multiple choice can't be passed on, am I right? No. Yeah, no, it would have been Henry. Rooney at 40, Henry at 42. Rovers. So one for Rovers. Brave man. Right. Brave, brave man. Shamrock Rovers last won a trophy in what year? 2011. Joey. Passes. Joey. 2014. Nice to see. You don't want to count that, but. Me? Football. General knowledge, all the football is done. So we've got general knowledge and we've got mythology. And I think, is this the winner? That's the winner. No, Pico's 7 6 up. 7 6, so this is the the draw. It's the eagle eyes. The eagle eyes, or Pico has it in the bag. What mythological, mythological object was named Excalibur? What was Excalibur? Sword. Yep. I knew we'd get it! I fucking knew the second I saw it, I knew we'd get it. Is this the win though? Matt's question, yeah. Pigo. Yeah, Jesus, and Joey's gonna never forgive me if this is easy now. I'm uh, considering a bit of a whiz, am I right? Am I right, Pigo? <laughs> bit of a whiz at Matt's? Is he? 
I didn't expect this to be the winning question though. I just put it in there, right? You know what I mean? I just put it in there. What six times six? Hold on a sec. Hold on. Right, so it's not it's not multiple choice. It has to be answered. So this is for the win, right? Seven each. On to you. For the win. 2019, tip these quiz, answer this sum. No pens either, is it? Take the pen, you're gonna, you're gonna start doing some, some rough work. The number of sides in an octagon multiplied by the sides of a triangle and then subtract the sides of a rectangle. So I'll give it to one more time. The number of sides in an octagon multiplied by the sides of a triangle and then subtract the sides of a rectangle. We're gone. Go. The answer's 20. Pigo has won the quiz. Yes! Good <laughs> on, Pigo. Yes. Cracking match, actually. Actually, what's good game? What's going to finish? 87? 87 to, to Pigo. Two questions was good. So what? Was what was four questions answered wrong? Yeah. 14 out of 20, yeah. So. We, he- we heard that uh, last year when Davy Mack won the final, he gave a speech to the players. Would no. you be doing the same? Yeah. Um, no, not really. I'm just going to be. Hold that. See what you think. Yeah, humble in me, uh, in me victory. Uh, it was a great opponent finding to ah, beat Joe and take him off his, uh, his pedestal. But uh, yeah, I just hope we can um, yeah. give confidence to the rest of the squad to take down the, sma- the brains of the, <laughs> the operation. <laughs> but uh, thanks, lads. Yeah. Great. Congratulations. Cheers. Thanks very much. It's time now for our quiz final uh, reaction, Gar. So, Pigo upsetting the odds massively. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm not surprised, but I mean, we just we had Joey as a shoe in. We even had the the winners picked for the whoever the, the prediction league. We had our prize picked out and everything. Shows you what we should have done. So, uh, yeah, congrats to Pigo and obviously a couple of fuck ups, two spoiled questions by myself. I blamed it. Did even know though. Yeah, yeah, I suppose I, I blame the lack of sleep. But it's, uh, yeah, fantastic. Jo- Joey, forever the bridesmaid, isn't it? I know, after his defeat last year, the debut Mac, he was bullying for a win here. He was, he's been milling through people, left, right, and centre. Couple of whitewashes, and it just didn't go his way again. But he'll be back next year, like he said, confident again. Hopefully, it doesn't, uh, hopefully, this isn't an omen for the final, prof. Pico racking up the accolades, international cap, quiz, trophy, hopefully a cup final medal. And like he said, undoubtedly the the highlight of his career is this quiz win, so it's yeah. good it's good oh. to see, you know. That's what I was saying. But you mentioned there, poor Sean Keane. I was, I was practically talking to him at the game about handing him the prize <laughs> on Friday. And now the prize is actually going to go to Paulo Dwyer and Daniel Kyo. They predicted all matchups correctly from the quarterfinals onwards and they said Pico to beat Joey in the final. So they are the prize to be shared between those two. So that is it. We will come up with something and uh, we will find you soon enough to get your prize. So hopefully we'll see it in Tala and at the court game. Um, yeah, so Prof, we know what we want. Give us the stats. There is a mathematician, a different kind of mathematician, and a statistician. Stats out! Loving this. Finally have a stat audio. Yeah. Out of time. Thanks to Joe's. Or you can want to hit us, Prof. These, are en- these wouldn't be end of season stats yet. These would be just stats you've come across like usual. Um, yeah, I've no, I've no end of season stats really. Just sort of like I've been, I've been keeping an eye on where our our wins, draws, and losses shape up to our you know overall records. And I mentioned last week that that was that was a club record: eleven away wins in one season. And apparently the players were aware of that going in no way they were aw- very aware of that in the dressing room 
before that game. So, a bit of motivation there. Yes. So, if that is providing motivation... Here's uh, some more. I have two more for you, and that is... We have equal last year's 20 clean sheets in a league season, which in itself was a club record. So, we, so can, we can break the club record mm-hmm. now against Cork if we, we keep a clean sheet. We can break the record again and set a new Boom. one. Boom. 21. 21, baby. But probably more interesting than the clean sheets, more impressive is... The dirty ones. If we get... <laughs> the dirty stats, yeah. If we get a 23rd win... That will equal the all-time record which we set in 2011. Oh, is getting splattered all over the place this season. And the players and the, and the management already seem to be aware of this because in Stephen Bradley's programme notes for Hoopsin this week, he mentions that stat. He oh. says we can equal the record 23 wins. And by the way... And did he credit the prof... Uh, no, because I hadn't said it yet. So Death to Bradley. Well, there was an inquiry made about what is the record. Ah. And then that got back to him. So that's that's how it happened. But it makes a difference to Fenland. And your stats, doesn't, doesn't it? it? It's, it's <laughs> night and Actually day. banned your stats. Yeah. But uh, by the way, check out this piece by Brazzer. It's two pages. And he starts off by addressing the banner. In what? June of last year. And he ends his piece by talking about the banner. And he talks about... He was faced with... You know... He was faced with the thoughts of... Insurmountable do, pressure. Do I stay? Do I keep sticking with what I believe in? Or do I go? And he basically said... I'll never need to be told when to go. I'm just a custodian of Shamrock Grovers. Right. So... This... This... This article will actually get a bit of attention like, so stuck to his guns anyway yeah, this would be like this would be in the papers on Saturday yeah this piece it's you're, and the fact that you're saying that because you're a bit of a stickler yeah. when it comes to editorials and, and pieces <laughs> and stuff like that because uh, it's a very interesting piece right so just to end my stats uh, our goals scored this season is spread amongst 15 individual players 15 individuals which is the same as last season so 15 yeah I thought this might be the, the highest in the while but no, uh, we had 16 different players in 2011. But maybe what's more interesting about it is how many players in the squad have not scored a league goal. So Ooh. it's 9 out of the 24 outfield players okay. who have made a league appearance haven't scored. But, which might sound like a lot, but of those, only Ethan Boyle and Daniel Lafferty have started three times or more. So out of every every player... Every outfield player okay. to make a league appearance this season who played at least three times mm-hmm. only Boyle and Lafferty didn't score. Jesus. Statzilla. There you go. Statzilla. Unbelievable. So this is the sixth time that our last league game of the season will be played in Tala. We won in 2011, 2014, 2015, 2017 and we were beaten by Sligo in 2013. That's their end of season stats. End of season stats for the prof. Uh, yeah, so that is uh, that is it, prof. That means we're coming to an end as well soon enough. Um, yeah. We have to think of something to do. We have to go abroad. Do you know what? There's a trip planned to Rome. I might end up having a sneaky flight. There's about 20 or 30 hoops on it all going to Rome. Stay with Guido. Might as well give him a quick plug. 
there's a uh, loads of Rovers lads going to the derby in Rome in January. They're all staying with good old Guido, my pal, in the Lighthouse Suites in Rome. Trastevere, I think I'm pronouncing that right. So um, there's a rake of lads going, so it should be good. Be good to get some opinions of lads of the Irish clan there. Um, yeah, so once again, support the match day program, please. It's only a few quid, two coins. Get yourself down and buy the program. It's a great read. I'll Good try, toilet reading, as I say. I'll try the Declan Hughes approach. Uh, buy it because you won't see it again for four months. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, it's a nice way to show the contributors that you appreciate what they've done all season. I mean, they're all volunteers. I'm talking about myself and that as well, of course. And Don't mention the slush fund. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be a hoop scene survey as well coming up in the next few weeks, possibly. Possibly a so, 50s one as well. Our one was pretty informative last time, wasn't it? Yeah, that was two years ago now. Maybe we should do another one. That was pretty informative. Gave us a good idea of where supporters were, the ages, interests, stuff like that. Yeah. How much they hate the prof and love me more than him. That wasn't a question, actually. <laughs> we're uh, going to put that in, aren't we, for the crack? Who do you was, prefer? What's the question? Who do you prefer, the prof? Or, no, we didn't. We definitely We would have lauded that all of you. We were thinking about it. Though, we were we? definitely thinking yeah. about it, yeah. Who do you prefer to propagate me? Fight to the death. Um, yeah, so, uh, Cup special episode next week. It could be spooky, Wookie. Mm-hmm. It'll be out on Halloween. We'll have lots of interviews from fans about their plans for the day and hopefully have some special guests and Johnny Blues. And uh, we have now three, like I said, three double-deckers going from the Abbo 12 o'clock departure. Run muck. Kids buses, family buses, Larry buses, bogey buses, everything. Where names are filling up as the days go on. Me and Dan O'Brien are running them. Uh, one of them is just going to run itself. It's just going to have to find its way to the Aviva. But it's leaving at 12 o'clock. And Abbo will be looking after us. Big Gar, as usual. Looking after us, as, as he always does. And he actually put a band on. But we weren't even going to be there. So there was wires crossed. But he's going to sort something out for us when we return. So it's straight back to the Abbo after the final. Hopefully, milling champagne out of the cup so um, yeah uh, hopefully you have some special guests and Johnny Blues as well for our cup special so a certain Mr. O'Brien will have to try and drag him down prof and keep the the, the gift going the Tifty's gift of goals yeah but well, we're doing a quick interview with him, with him for next week's show purely just in case this is some kind of lucky charm it is we need to latch on to anything we can we've been speaking about we this week we need to wear the same socks yeah. we need to do everything yeah, well, whatever, you wear the same socks whatever most works. days anyway, so. Well, didn't have to mention that. <laughs> yeah. So, like we said, don't forget, Player of the Year Awards after the game. There's a Meet the Players event on Saturday, 11 a.m. in the 1899 suite, which I'd love to go to, but Young Jaden has a match, unfortunately. So, you can meet the squad as part of the cup final, build up to wish them well, get autographs, etc. Um, you know. S- sniff them on, from behind while they're not there or while they don't know us. You're talking about Lee Grace, aren't you? <laughs> You're in love with him. So, um, yeah, that's 11am, 1899 Sweet. Don't forget Ray. I'm guessing Ray's doing food. Has to be. Last home game of the season. Has to be. Curry, meatballs, whatever it is. Ray will be there to feed you. Well, get out of the club if he's not. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. Prof, also, you have something we, about one of our, our legends. Yeah, we have Gary Twig. He, he said this on Twitter. He's selling his uh, Chiellini jersey from 2010 for charity. Uh, he said he's come down to Dublin for the final and he'll raffle it off the day after the cup final. So it's €10 Euro and you can enter as many times as you want. Entries are payable to paypal.me slash twiggy67 and when making payment, make sure to leave your name. Yeah, so there you go. That is it. The Twigster. 
who has still not popped his Tifty's cherry. We will get him eventually. And uh, yeah, that is it for this week. It's our last Friday night, so make sure you're there. I'll actually be there for the first time in a couple of weeks. Gary at a Robert. I know, yeah. In town. It's very frustrating, Prof. I'd appreciate if you didn't talk about Um Okay, so it is our last Friday night. Make sure you're there. And uh, Prof, I don't know what we're going to do without Fridays. I mean, Friday's football, what are we going to do next? I'm going to be very boring for four months. Very, very boring. Friday nights will never be the same until the season starts again. So that is it. We'll see you on the perch. And that is it for this week on Tifties. So uh, keep on hooping. See ya. Yeah.